One of the ways to create a family that's becoming more and more popular is adoption. But a Seattle mom realized the adoption system needs a bit of a revamp or modernization, if you will. So Washington is it's our home base. And so we are incredibly resourced in Washington state to help families go through this process. Erin Quick, who lives on Bainbridge Island, started a first of its kind digital adoption platform. It's called Pear Tree and launched in 2020. And so we built online processes to help families navigate and in doing so kind of dropped the average fees from 40 to 60,000 down to on average 15. She's my guest on Mindful Headlines this week. Her company, Pear Tree, has nearly 4,000 families and more than 400 expectant mothers registered on the platform. And it recently got a huge investment of $5 million from an Austin-based company to help adoptive families nationwide. Erin will talk about her own self-match adoption journey, adopting two kids, financial resources for couples, and why personality matters. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Erin, thanks for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for having me. You started a website recently called Pear Tree, and you bill it as a digital adoption platform. Can you explain what that means? <laughs> sure. So we say we're a platform that provides families all the tools and services they need to navigate adoption themselves. Um, and the difference is, I think a lot of people think of adoption, they think they have to use an adoption agency. It's just not true anymore. Um, also worth noting, when we say adoption, we mean adopting an infant or an embryo. Okay. Erin, tell me why you started this website. Yeah. So, um, so we went through it. So we, like a lot of families in today's world, I think it's one in eight families now are diagnosed with infertility. We'd tried to get pregnant for a year and nothing happened. And so our doctor recommended us uh, to a fertility clinic and we went, went through years and thousands of dollars of treatments. And after our third miscarriage just felt kind of broken, this financially, physically, emotionally broken. And so we had always said we wanted to adopt. So when, when I started to explore adoption, we were blown away at how expensive it was and what the kind of the processes felt old and how long the timelines were. And luckily we had some friends tell us about this other method called self-matching, or we call it self-navigating, where you build your own team, hiring a social worker and an attorney, and then you go connect with your own expectant mom. And so that's what we did and had two really successful adoptions over three years um, and then started helping other, other families go through it. And when we started helping families, we realized like this should be an option that all people should know about. And so that was kind of the, the birth of Pear Tree. Did you feel like it was your calling to help other families go through the process? Uh, not, not really, not, no, not necessarily <laughs> calling, um, but it, it did. I, I was really captivated by it because the journeys were all pretty similar that, okay. you know, people couldn't, couldn't create the families the way they thought they were going to. And they were, they ran into the same roadblocks that we did and we, we had the experience. So I just, I didn't feel it calling as much as like, this is my responsibility to help okay. um, people because I already had the information. And then and then I just realized there just there's a pattern here, and people don't know that you don't have to spend forty to sixty thousand dollars to adopt an infant in the U.S. Um, that you can use technology to to navigate the process yourself. And so, um, at that point, it just felt more like an, an opportunity to to share information with people going through it. Tell me a little bit more about Pear Tree and how you make that process easier. It's a website, but tell me what is unique about it. 
Yeah. It's a website and it will be an iOS and Android app in April. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, most of our expectant moms use Pear Tree almost exclusively on their mobile phones. So we wanted to roll out an app to make it, to make their experience even better. Um, but so, so the way it works is there's three major milestones on an adoption journey. First, you have to be approved to adopt if you're an adopting family. Second, you need to connect with an expectant mom or embryo donor family. And then third is go through legal. And so we built online processes to help families navigate all three of those steps. And in doing so, kind of dropped the average fees from 40 to 60,000 down to on average 15. And the timelines from you know up to two to three years down to on average 12 months. And the arguably most important part is it puts a lot more control into the hands of the kind of two families that matter the most, the adopting family and or the birth family or embryo donor family, that they get to build a relationship from day one. You said, obviously, that's the most important part, but what's the most daunting part of the adoption process? Yeah, well, if you can get over sometimes the the fee structure is what scares most people out of it. Um, But if you do decide you want to navigate it yourself, I think most of our families get what scares them is this idea of how do you connect with an expectant mom? You know, and if you do connect with an expectant mom, how, how do you, it's such an emotional experience. It's like, how do you navigate that process? And so we have a lot of support materials uh, for expectant moms, birth moms, and also adopting families to, to help kind of, you know, what does the first conversation look like? How does everybody stay safe? How do we prove that people are who they say they are? Um, when's the right time to bring a lawyer into the picture? So we help families kind of navigate that from, hi. I'm interested in you to, um, you know, you're at the hospital together. We talked about your website reducing costs from sometimes 50, 60,000 to about 15,000. But the reality is that 15,000 can still be a lot of money for some families. Mm-hmm. So is there any way for families to also reduce that cost? Two ways. So one is Pear Tree partnered with Carrot Fertility, which is the largest fertility benefits provider in the world. And fertility benefits is kind of a weird world or weird word. They're starting to say family building benefits. Okay. And what that means is that for families that are covered under carrot, that their fees are reimbursable. So anything they spend on pear tree is a reimbursable expense for them, which is a huge relief. And then for families that aren't covered under carrot, all of pear tree services and fees qualify for the federal tax credit. So that uh, U.S. federal tax credit is around $14,000 for families that make under $250,000. So it's huge relief. Who qualifies for carrot? Yeah. So employers will pay for carrot. They'll bring on carrot as part of their insurance benefits package. So for example, Netflix uses carrot as their family building benefits partner. And so all Netflix employees are covered. Um, and they have a, a really um, generous amount of benefits to use for family building. Carrot actually, so they work with all the technology companies, but they're getting into manufacturing and education. So they're, they're, they're growing pretty fast. I think they have over a million members already. I think I read in your adoption journey with both your children that it was relatively quick. And so tell me what it felt like from start to finish. And then like that feeling that you got when you finally knew that you were going to be able to adopt a kid. Yeah, I'll try to do it without, without crying. Um, so I think for, for us, the first one was a whirlwind and even our adoption professionals like this doesn't happen this way. So um, we built an online pro we were approved to adopt. And then we built an online profile 
um, basically put ourselves out on the internet. And within a few weeks, we're contacted by a woman who was almost 39 weeks pregnant. And I remember it was a Wednesday and she said, can you be in Michigan on Saturday to meet me and the, me and the birth dad. And so my husband and I said, sure, hopped on a plane, met them for lunch and had this amazing weekend with them. And uh, they were doing the same thing with two other couples. We were basically going through an interviewing process with them. And then they called us. uh, We flew home on Sunday. They called us on Monday and said, we'd be honored if you would be the parents of our little boy. And then he was born a few days later. And so we were back out on a plane and had this amazing time in the hospital where uh, we had hospital rooms a few doors down from each other. So we were sharing him every three hours because she was adamant about wanting to breastfeed him to give him everything that she possibly could and then have had a really nice relationship going forward with them, a very open relationship. People don't know that, but 90% of adoptions are open, meaning adopting family and birth family or embryo donor family are actually in contact for the rest of the child's life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, that's, it's, nobody does. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, expectant women are now choosing adoption more than they ever have because their greatest fear is that they will be cut out of their child's life. And that's now, you know, the opposite of what's happening is, is they get to play a greater role in choosing the family uh, and then get to play, a, you know, the role that they want going forward in that, in that child's life. So it's, that's a really nice thing. And for our second adoption, we did the same thing. We built an online profile and put ourselves out on the internet and it took a couple more months uh, to connect with an expectant family, but we did in Houston and they were um, six months pregnant. And so we had a few more months to get to know them, which was lovely. So we got to fly down to Texas and meet them and um, kind of just talks about hopes and dreams. And, and then when our daughter was born, um, same thing, we were in the hospital with them and, um, you know, have another very open, very, very open relationship. Like they come to visit and we text multiple times a week. In fact, they're the first family that we think about when, when our daughter does anything, um, wonderful or hilarious that, that they're, they're the ones we reach out to first. How old are your children now? Just turned eight and just turned five. Wow. Okay. And how long after you went through both these adoption processes that you decided to start pear tree? So my, um, our second was born in 2017 and we started pear tree in 2020. And it, it was kind of always in my head. My background is in is in business consulting. And so it was kind of always in my head when we were going through the first adoption that this is really complicated. And it's such an important journey that families spend so much time concentrating on the logistics of getting through the hoops of adoption versus the actual experience, which is, you know, how do you educate yourself as an adoptive parent um, on all the variables in adoption? How are you concentrating on building a relationship with the birth family or embryo donor family? And so it was like this, it feels, it felt out of whack in terms of where the emphasis was. And so that's what Paratrice was striving to do is, you know, let's remove some of the logistical barriers or make those easier to get through so that families can concentrate on the really important part, which is, you know, creating a loving relationship with each other and a a wonderfully nurturing place for that child. Let's talk a little bit about Infertility Awareness Week that's coming up in April. It's the 24th through the 30th. And tell me about your infertility journey as well. Obviously you're sharing, you decided to adopt, but it can often be a really emotional, difficult 
experience for couples and something that we don't really talk about too often. I've actually done a different podcast about infertility, but it's a really difficult topic to to speak about. Um, Do you feel like that can sometimes be a huge barrier into going into the next steps, be it IVF or adopting or just trying to create a family in a a non-traditional way? Oh, hugely. I remember the first time I remember like walking out of my doctor's office with a piece of paper where she was recommending I go talk to a reproduction specialist and seeing the diagnosis infertility on it and just feeling like it was, you know, a dagger to the heart, like what infertile, no way. And so, and then going through the actual process of, I had so much, there was a lot of shame and almost embarrassment because as a woman, you feel like that's the one thing I'm supposed to be able to do. And I was healthy in every other aspect. So it was just kind of a, a struggle in terms of, cause there's, there's not a whole lot that you can do outside of going through the different protocols and in, in reproductive, um, in the reproductive treatment specialties, you know, and, and when you go through IVF or IUIs, which we, we went through everything we possibly could do, uh, and they're unsuccessful. I, what I, I started referring to those days as the dark days, um, because I was just sad. Like it was just, you know, and my husband was sad and, and we're at the age where everybody around us is having babies and, you want to be so happy for them, but you're just sad for your own journey. And, and I think that's all very, very normal. And I do feel like it's becoming way more acceptable in society that to, to be talking about, oh yeah, we're going through IVF and people understand what that means. And it should, because, you know, one in eight couples are diagnosed with infertility. And so, and that number is only expected to rise. I think it's supposed to be 10 million couples a year by 2025. And so people are just naturally going to be turning to more, you know, what have always been these kind of untraditional methods or paths to parenting. I feel like they're going to be actually become more traditional as the years go on. But, but yeah, I think going through IVF, going through miscarriages, uh, I remember I, my first miscarriage, I had to go facilitate a three hour work meeting right after I found out. Oh my goodness. How did you do that? Oh, it was awful. Um, but like, I just think about all the women that are kind of silently suffering through that. And, and I hope that as a society, we start to talk a little bit more openly about it, but it's, it's, an, it's emotional, very. Well, now you're a mom and you obviously are <laughs> still in contact with their birth parents. Tell me some of the myths that people might have about adoption or adoptive families. Yeah. I think the greatest one that we find is People tell us all the time, people that haven't been through adoption tell us all the time, like, oh, those, ch- those children are so lucky that you decided to adopt. And anyone that's been through an adoption will tell you, like, it's exactly the opposite, that we are the ones that feel like we were, you know, saved by them or that we feel that we feel lucky that we get to be their parents. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is um, people, I think specific, specifically adopting families, feel like they might not want to have an open relationship before they go through the process. But again, like once, once you go through that process with another family, you'd be surprised at how often people do a 180 and are just like, please be in our lives forever. Um, you know, and, and you do, you, you share the love of a child and it's, and it can be really, really beautiful. It's heavy. I tell family that tell, tell families that all the time. It's a heavy it's a heavy feeling, but it's not bad. It's just emotionally and emotional. And it can be really, really beautiful. And do you talk to your kids about the fact that they're adopted? Oh yeah. We're, we've been open from, from day one. And in fact, their birth family, we have pictures of the birth family up in our, 
up in our house and their baby books. We are real proud supporters of Michigan and Texas and every kind of sporting event and um, are starting to now, especially with our eight-year-old, get into some of the ancestral information because he wants to know, like, where are my roots? He he identifies as a Viking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and for everyone listening, you are here in Western Washington. You're on Bainbridge. Mm-hmm. There's some big sports teams around here. You got to gotta make sure that they're... <laughs> Uh, There's Seahawks fans too. Seahawks and Sounders, don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On that note, you've helped several families through the adoption process, including some here in Western Washington as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So Washington is, it's our home base. And so we are incredibly resourced in Washington state to help families go through this process. And Washington is a great state to be going through the process because um, because our laws are slightly different than than other states. So um, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out in Western Washington, we're, we're happy to provide you all the resources you need to, to start your journey. I did notice that on your website as well, that you help people um, based on their location because they have to do that home survey, or I don't know the correct term home for study. it. Home study. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So adoption is regulated at the state level, which means anybody that wants to adopt has to be approved in their state to adopt, even if they're going to be searching nationwide. Uh, And so we created the first and only online home study process that maps to state requirements. And so for families in Washington that want to go through it, we have four of the best social workers in Washington to walk you through the home study process and it's all done online. So it makes it way more convenient. And again, you know, focuses in the right place. So you don't have to worry about jumping through logistics. You can concentrate on educating yourself on the process and, you know, talking about hopes and dreams in terms of what you want in terms of becoming a parent. And then that next step is actually putting your profile together and connecting with the other family, right? Whether you're putting up your child for adoption or the other way around. You exactly. Adopt a child. Okay. Yeah, the matching piece is very similar to online dating. So (laughs) adopting families build profiles and then expectant moms and embryo donor families sort through those profiles based on what's most important to them. And we do something a little bit differently because 90% of adoptions are open. It makes making a highly compatible match that much more important. And so we use personality-based matching because personality is the leading indicator of behavior um, so that families expectant expectant families and embryo donor families can choose kind of what a future would look like if they picked a family versus just looking at, you know, pretty pictures online. Before we started recording, I told you, I really wanted to ask you a specific question and here it is, Erin. When I was watching a video of you talking about your profile with your husband and you had, and I want everyone to like go online and find this picture, but you had the horse head which mm-hmm. I think is hilarious. It's like one of those costume horse heads that goes on top. Um, and you talked about being more scared to be the same as everyone else than being different, that you should be more scared of being the same as every couple out there than showing that you're different and that you have a specific personality. And I love that because I think that's something that everyone can relate to, not even if you're even if you're not going through the adoption process, that we need to be unique and true to ourselves. And I just loved that you said that. And I want you to explain that a little bit. Yeah. So I think, so as it relates to adoption, so our expectant moms, uh, when we were doing some research with them, looking at some of the existing platforms before Pear Tree was started, they would look at, they would look at profiles and say, they all look the same. And once I've seen one family, I can't tell that family apart from the other one that I'm looking at. And so 
what we, we, we tell our families to do is try, really think about what makes you, you, and try to amplify that difference, you know, to stick out in this sea of sameness um, so that, so that an expectant mom can see what makes you different and decide if that's right for her or not. Um, because what our adopting families try to do is they, they want to be, they want to attract everybody. Um, but in attracting everybody, you kind of attract nobody. So, yeah. And I say that, I mean, that's something that I have lived by from my you know business consulting days is whether you are interviewing for a job or going through an adoption journey, really think about what makes you different and be more afraid of being the same as everyone than you are of being different. Well, I love that. I think that's a great life lesson in general. We've talked a lot about families that want to adopt a child, but what does Pear Tree do for a family who is interested in putting their child up for adoption? Yeah, a number of things. So we have monthly support groups that are facilitated by birth families for expectant moms and birth families to participate in totally free. Um, and then one of the things that we take a pretty firm stance on is um, we developed something called the 5% fund. So we take 5% of every subscription every month and donate that to organizations that support the lifetime healing of birth moms. Um, because again, these are really emotional journeys and want to make sure that they always have access to the mental health care that, that they need and deserve. Because on both ends, this is a decision that is going to impact the rest of their lives. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And the way that it's always been done in the past, um, birth moms have had, you know, six therapy sessions and are you know considered healed. And we think that's borderline negligent. Um, any advice for couples out there that are dealing with infertility or anyone thinking about the adoption process? Yeah. So one of the things I think is most sad about adoption is we talk to families all the time that were like, oh, we wanted to adopt. And we looked into it and we saw the process. We're like, oh, no, we, that, that's too, too hard. And I think if you are interested in adoption, I think the world is changing or the world of adoption is changing and, and Pear Tree is really trying to lead the charge. So I would say, do your research hop on pear tree and see if it's, see if it's right for you, because there are a lot of options, even within adoption, public versus private adoption, international versus domestic infant versus child or embryo. You know, there's, there are a lot of different ways to build your family. Now I would say don't discount it and look into it. I also just want to ask you about things that you do to stay grounded. Obviously, you know, you're a mom, you're parenting, you're running a business, you're running this website, you're just doing all these things. Um, and you had an emotional journey getting to this point as you shared. So what are some of the things that you do in general that keep you grounded and make you stay positive? I have four things. Um, so one, I listen to really loud music in the car. <laughs> sing at the top of my lungs. Um, I do that too. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Two, I am a huge, I'm out on Bainbridge and walking the trails of Bainbridge is just like getting the fresh air and the trees is adds a lot of perspective. Um, three is I, I try to eat really healthy. And four is whenever I just can't shake it. I, I snuggle up to one of my kiddos. Oh, I love that. Aaron, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for having me. Once again, that was Aaron Quick, CEO of Pear Tree, an online adoption platform. There's a link to the website and the personality test she mentioned in our show notes. 
I'm Jessica Janner Castro, and you've been listening to Mindful Headlines. My goal with each episode is to understand how our minds influence current events so we can better understand our world inside and out. Make sure to subscribe for more episodes and please share with your friends and family. I'll see you next time.